you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will appoint one for you. Do you understand your rights? This episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast may contain descriptions of acts of violence or that of a sexual nature and should be for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I do not get the facts of these cases off of the internet or for some television show. The facts I'm retelling you were presented to me by the victims of the crimes or the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims. My descriptions of the crime scenes are what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And as always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. Sorry, y'all, this episode is a little bit late this week. Uh COVID or whatever you want to call it. I was down for the whole week last week and some getting this done a little bit late and Jim Chapman to get it out to y'all as soon as possible. Patreon and convicts, you'll still get it a little bit early and commercial free as always. So thank you for your continued support. And I'm going to call this episode prison justice. And the first thing I want to talk about is Derek Chauvin. All right. And last week or maybe the week before on Real Life Real Crime Daily, Mike Agravino did a story about Derek Chauvin getting stabbed. Now he's Derek Chauvin is the um, Minneapolis police officer who killed George Floyd. Right. By basically choking her to death by putting his knee on his neck for like nine minutes or whatever. Um I absolutely believe that Chauvin is a murdering piece of shit. And I think the way that story came out, that Mike read it because he started talking about some documentary that he watched. Maybe it was questionable in his mind whether Chauvin got railroaded, et cetera. And you heard me say on that episode that I believe that a jury of his peers found him guilty and, you know, if he gets an appeals process, well, I mean, he'll have that. Uh, um, but I still think he's a murdering piece of shit. I do not agree with this documentary or whatever, right? So and we caught a lot of shit about that. People, you know, quitting real life, real crime, saying all these bad things. I want you to understand that that position of that documentary had nothing to do with mine or Jim Chapman's opinion. All right, so Derek Chauvin, he, well, I know what he did, right? Um, He is the former police officer who was convicted in the 2020 murder of George Floyd. So he's in prison, y'all, and now he would have been on a special lockdown unit, meaning that for cops and child molesters and whatever, people high-profile uh, prisoners who have to really worry about getting stabbed or, or getting killed or beat up or raped. And, you know, if you're a cop in prison and you murder someone like he, he mar- murdered Floyd, you can expect that you're going to get hit. Okay. And that's why most of them will stay on lockdown in a private cell like 23 hours a day. 
so other inmates can't have access to them, like Denny Perkins from Livingston Parish who raped all the babies and um, raped another female victim and all that, he and his wife, and he ejaculated on the cupcakes and all that stuff. Well, you know what? Denny had many, many years fucking people over, even the ones he didn't fuck over that he just arrested regularly. Um, he, you better believe, his ass is in a cell on a special unit because they want to kill him. If they get a chance to, they're going to kill him. And so Chauvin is in one of these units, and I guess he got to feeling a little too comfortable and decided, hey, you know what? I can take care of myself. I don't want to be locked in the cell 24 hours a day. And so I'm going to be in general population on this regular unit. I mean, not a regular unit. Still would have been on the high-profile unit, but even those guys have a choice of whether they're locked down for safety, et cetera. And at some point, he decides it's a good idea that, hey, you know what? Fuck this. I'm a badass. Yeah, I can walk around freely and, and what have you. Well, on November 24th, he, being Chauvin, was inside the law library at the Federal Correction Institution in Tucson, Arizona, and I'm guessing, you know, he's working on his appeals and trying to do his shit and trying to get out of prison like they all do. I mean, he's got nothing else to do, right? Well, he's in the law library, and there's another inmate by the name of John Tursak, who's 52 years old. He decided, you know what? I'm going to show Chauvin exactly what I think about him, and... He did. He got a, a improvised knife or a homemade knife, or more commonly referred to as a shank, uh, in prison. And he approached George, not George Floyd, he approached Chauvin in the law library and stabbed him approximately 22 times. Okay. Um, and that the correctional officers basically saved his life and, and um, got him to the hospital and, um, you know, he had the surgeries or whatever he had happen to him. Uh, he was in a trauma unit. I'm like, he was on death's door, right? The the guy get, did a pretty good job of trying to kill him. Um, but as of today, they they say his medical condition has improved to the extent that he has been removed from the trauma care facility at a local Tucson hospital and returned to prison custody for his follow-up care, which means he's going to be laid up in the, a secure uh, prison ward hospital, right? Now, everybody in prison, or almost everybody in prison, has someone who loves them, right? doesn't mean the person is not an asshole, um, but in a statement, his family Attorney says his family is very concerned about the facility's capacity to protect Derek from further harm. They remain unassured that any changes have been made to the faulty procedures that allowed Derek's attack to occur in the first place. And so now Tursak, the guy who did the stabbing, has been charged with attempted murder and assault with intent to commit murder, assault with a dangerous weapon. An assault results in seriously serious body injury in connection with the stabbing, and that's according to the federal prosecutors. Um, so Tursak, you know, they interview him afterwards, right? And and hey, he's proud of what he did. He told federal prosecutors that he chose that day to attack Chauvin which is the day, y'all, it was the day after Thanksgiving, more commonly known as Black Friday. And, but he did it to symbolize the Black Lives Matter movement and the Black Hand, which is the symbol of the Mexican Mafia. And he also told the correction officers and investigator that he would have killed Chauvin had they not responded to the attack so quickly. Right? Um, 
Oh, and yeah, you stabbed him 22 times. I submit to you that he had every intention of killing him, right? And But, you know, the family goes on to, to bitch and complain, saying, oh, we didn't receive confirmation that Derek, um, you know, was attacked and, and that, that they don't believe that the, the documents that the federal prosecutors filed are accurate. Yeah, let's say, and again, the attack was made in a law library um, where Derek was attacked from behind with a shank, y'all. And again, Shoban's attorney says what the family says and that they have concerns about the prison, saying when they try to get information regarding the changes made to the procedures after the attack, they were told to make a Freedom of Information Act request. And then it further states, it remains a mystery how the perpetrator was able to attain and possess a dangerous materials that are able to be formed into an improvised knife and how a guard was unable to reach and apprehend a perpetrator until Derek had been stabbed 22 times. Why was Derek allowed into the library without a guard in close enough proximity to stop the possible attack? Well, I'm going to tell you what. There's a whole lot more convicts than there are guards, right? And a lot of times they'll let you into the law library and they may have a guy that's assigned to the hallway to monitor the different rooms, including the law library. But you can't have one correctional officer for every convict that's in there. I mean, prisons are not a nice place. If you hadn't murdered George Floyd, then you wouldn't be there, right? And you were a cop. You did it, and you—I mean—you choked the dude to death, and and it's just stupid. Um. So, yeah, again, y'all, Chauvin is, is serving a sentence for twenty-two and a half years for kneeling on Floyd's neck for nine and a half minutes while George Floyd said he couldn't breathe and went limp. Um, he's also serving a 21-year federal sentence for violating Floyd's civil rights and a 22-and-a-half-year sentence for second-degree murder. So that's a little update. And um, the, uh, the name is, if I didn't tell you already, the name of this, this episode is going to be Prison Justice, all right? And that's a little bit of that story I read you was from NBC News. Now, let me tell you a more common story and how these things happen. And it just this just happens to be a high-profile inmate that everybody in the world knows about. And so it got the attention that it got, right? But so uh, an OG lifer, Leah Marie, sent me this story. And I can tell you, I can put my own personal spin on it because – I have been to this place. I know everything about it. And let me tell you another story. All right. But this is every day. It is somewhere in some prison in the United States every day, somebody is getting shanked, right? Or they're getting prison justice. So let's go back to January 30th of 2017. And there was a guy named Tommy Joe Smith, okay? And he's 40 years old from Independence, Louisiana. Now, y'all, that's in Tangipoa Parish, which is the next parish over from us, Livingston Parish. Um, I worked with these guys, their deputies, so many times. They were my only backup at night. I've worked with um, their detectives on cases, murder cases, things like that. And actually, their sheriff who's now um, getting out of office and saying that they have a new sheriff-elect, is Daniel Edwards. And Daniel Edwards is the brother of our now governor, who's also on his way out. Uh, Jeff Lander is now the governor-elect. But they're brothers. Now, Daniel is a good guy. And I remember when he first made sheriff, uh, it was way, way, way back when, many probably – close to 30 years ago now and Tangipoa Parish did not have their own SWAT team. And there was a triple murder sus suspect that was on the run. 
And so Daniel Edwards called in our SWAT team, which I was on, and we hit three different houses at the same time at 4 o'clock in the morning. He was there with us, Daniel Daniel Edwards, the sheriff. I think it might have been like his first year in office, his first big case. But he was a hands-on guy. Um, He was out there at 4 o'clock in the morning kicking doors with us and everything else looking for this murder suspect. And, you know, Tangelo Parish, Tangelo Parish is a really, basically rural parish. It only has one major town, and that's Hammond. Maybe you could consider Ponchatoula to be of decent size also, meaning it has a Walmart, right? But it's also the longest parish um, in the state of Louisiana from north to south. And I don't know exactly how many miles it is, but it's a long ways. But he's a good dude, and I believe that – being Sheriff Edwards, and I believe that he tried to make a lot of improvements over the years, and including he hired my mentor, Mr. Chief Kearney Foster, after Chief Foster retired from Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office, and he went over there to whip their detective division into shape, and he, I think he was, he might have been just retired when he passed away from COVID, and God rest his soul. But, you know, their jail is in the town of A Meat, which is an, still a fairly small town. Uh, it does have a Walmart also, but it sits off the main highway. You can't see it. Um, and when you pull up to it, if you are bringing an inmate in, they have the sally port where you pull in and the gate opens, you pull in and the gate shuts behind you and you get your arrestee out and they buzz you through the door and you come into this long room with a half counter where the correctional officers are behind and they have benches where you handcuff your inmates to and then they have the breathalyzer room where they do that um, and you know they have a couple of interview rooms and stuff like that but that's basically the main hub for what the jail is now let me tell you about jails jails are parish prisons what we have we have parishes not counties in louisiana and you get housed in the jail either you're awaiting trial or you're waiting to be shipped to the department of corrections um if you get sentenced there it has to be your sentence has to be for less than a year unless um the court sentences you as a department of corrections inmate and they keep you there for whatever reason but that's the only exception so you're not going to be there for long. All right, mostly it's processing people in and out. They get arrested. They get bonds, and they get released to the court date. And if you get found guilty, they'll hold you there until they find you a bed in the Department of Corrections. But on January 30th, 2017, at approximately 11 p.m., the um, there was a guy named Tommy Joe Smith. I, I told you about it. He's 40 years old from Independence. And Independence is only like five miles out from this jail. Um, but he was arrested by probation and parole, and they took him to be booked into the Tangipo Parish Jail on a probation violation, which uh, was related to an earlier conviction he had for a sex crime. Doesn't mean he committed a new sex crime. It could have been like he failed to register as a sex offender or he's not following whatever conditions he had of his parole when he got out. It could have been anything. He could have had contact with kids or the victims, whatever it may be. Probation and parole gets, he has a parole officer assigned to him, and at some point they realize, you know, maybe he failed a drug test. I don't know. But they realize he's in violation of his parole, so they would have arrested him. Um he had gone before a judge, and they had a revocation hearing in which they were like, fuck you, you know, you can't follow the rules, and your ass is going back to prison, and you got to serve the rest of your time. So let's say, hypothetically, that he got 20 years for, you know, sex abuse of a kid, whatever it may be, and he served 10 years in the Department of Corrections, and he gets out on parole that doesn't mean you're free, y'all. You have, when you get out on parole, you're assigned a parole officer. You have strict guidelines you have to follow, whether it's reporting in every week or 
you know, you got to have a job and you got to take piss tests and all these different things. But you fuck up once on, on something and they have a revocation hearing on you and then you get sent back. It doesn't matter if you did 10 of your 20 years or whatever. You got to go back and do the full amount of your time now. Okay, you've been revoked. Your ass is, they call it being swung. Your ass is going back to prison, period. Okay, but nobody in prison likes somebody that's been convicted of a sex crime. It could be rape. I don't know if it was getting, this was on a kid or whatever, but it's a sex crime conviction. Um, so they swing him and they bring him back and the to the jail, like I told you, it brought him in that sally port, and I can see it in my mind's eye. The door opens. It's a light, almost green paint on the walls, and um, the you know it's, it's a fucking prison booking room basically, but it's a long, long, long one. Uh, and they would have brought him back, and they would have had to bring his charge paperwork, meaning hey, this is what he he's been revoked for. Judge says, send his ass back to prison. Um, and, you know, they would have fingerprinted him again, you know, run him through APHIS and put him in the NCIC that he's been arrested and violating his parole and everything else. So it takes a while when you get there. It's not like they just drop you off and they're done. So that's called being booked in process. So they get there and they do all that and they turn him over to the jail staff, right, once they're done. Now, jail, let's talk about that. Sheriff's offices in Louisiana are responsible for housing inmates, for housing them, not house. They're not responsible for paying for the jail. The parish has to pay for the jail, but the sheriff's office itself has to pay to man the jail and to uh, feed the the inmates and give them medical care and basically for their safety. I mean, you're housing. That's what you do. But you have to provide the deputies that provide the security service and anything else that happens. But uh, the facility itself is paid for by the parish. So anytime on a, on a jail shift, I mean, let's talk about that for a minute. If you work in a jail, and I'm not knocking it, but most of the time if you work in a jail, you're either starting out and you're too young to go become post-certified, which is 21 years old um, in the state of Louisiana. And, but at 18, you can go be a correctional officer or a jail prison guard. Um, y'all, a lot of them, I'm like saying, they're either rookies or they're old-timers who don't give a fuck. And it, or, you know, they're just drawing the paycheck basically. And they're babysitting bad guys, is what I call it. Now, I'm not saying all of them are bad or anything like that, but certainly some of them just don't give a fuck. They're there to draw a paycheck and, and, and get their time in. Now, you'll have a jail supervisor on shift, you'll have an assistant supervisor on shift, and they're always going to be up front running the processing area and you'll have somebody that books in inmates and, you know, that helps do the paperwork and the medical staff and all this stuff 24 hours a day. This thing, a jail never shuts down. That's one thing. Now they usually work two shifts a day, uh, 6 PM to 6 AM and 6 AM to 6 PM. But once you get processed, you go back to the housing unit, right? And this jail ha- happens to have, uh, two stories and, and the where the inmates are housed uh, I mean it was two stories it's two floors how about that the, the and that's not you don't have a, a deputy for every inmate you may, you're lucky if you have a deputy that runs a whole cell block or or two story tier right and so it's just I mean mm, tell you that they don't really give a shit i mean you're in there doing your time you're babysitting them if you gotta get them out and shower them you know 
but you got a trustee helping you. You get them out and shower them, they get them their clothes, and you get let them use the foam. And if it's during the daytime, they get to go to the rec yard, whatever. It may be whatever security procedures may be. But you're going to have one, maybe, if you're lucky, two that will be back on these dorms or cell blocks or, or what have you. Um, but the supervisors, they're not going back there unless it's late at night and they're going to go make a round or what have you. It's just, you know, you house them and they're locked up, not locked up. They're locked in this secure area and mm, it's not like, like, uh, Angola, bloody Angola, right? Where, where these are highly trained professionals, uh, um, you know, a lot of times the deputies that are back there get or have been post certified and been on the road, and they get in trouble for something. And the sheriff's like, mm, "Get your ass in the jail or quit." Right. So back to it, they book in Smith and they process them y'all, and then somebody walked them back to the dorm, uh, and this particular dorm y'all is like i said it's two-story and it had 21 other inmates in the dorm right so when they when they bring him back there so when they bring him back there they they're gonna make him carry his mattress and they would make him change into prison clothes carry his mattress back there and go find you a bed it's not like they're like oh you're staying in cell c1 they're like pretty much just Turn you out on your own. Fuck you. Get in there. Catch your house. Right. So they do that. And now let me tell you how the jail grapevine works. The 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 guys that are in the back, uh, they know who's coming back there and for what charge before they get sent back there. Right. So they're going to know already through trustees or whoever it may be that Smith is a is a convicted sex offender and he's, he's being swung or whatever. And again, inmates or convicts hate fucking sex offenders or, and they certainly hate cops as in Chauvin's case. Right. So they bring him back there and they put him in this, this dorm with 21 other inmates. Right. So, Basically, Smith, they, they put him in the dorm and, like, find you a bunk. You know, you're on your own. Mm, can you see where there may be a problem developing here? Well, so he he goes in the dorm, door shuts behind him, and there's two floors. And automatically, this guy's been down before. He knows what time it is. You're not getting a, a, a bunk on the first floor. That's for the people who've been there the longest. They're doing the year sentence or they're sentenced to the Department of Corrections to serve their time in Tangeville Parish Jail or whatever. So he's not even trying to fucking get him a bed on the first floor. And so he he goes up to the second floor, right? And he, he's trying to find a bunk, trying to find a place to put his mattress. Well, what happens? The other inmates are like, mm, fuck you, Chomo. You're not staying up here. You need to get the fuck off our, our tier, our top floor, right? What, and so every cell he goes to and every door he goes to, they already know who he is. They're like, bitch, get out of here. You're a fucking punk-ass Chomo or whatever it was. You're a rapist, and but you're not sleeping with us. Well, that's, you know, that's prison shit, just like you see in the movies. When you first go in, everybody knows about it, and they know what your charge is, and they're going to punk you out if they can. So they all of them tell them, fuck you, you can't stay up here. Well, then he goes downstairs. He's got to find a bed, right? And he's by himself. I can imagine they were catcalling at him and hooping and calling him a bitch and a fish and a, and a you know, either a tree jumper, which means a rapist or a chomo or whatever. I don't know exactly what his charges were, y'all, but I know there was sex-related. And that's something you don't want when you go to prison. So 
The world has become a smaller place, and people are traveling more freely between countries than ever before. And companies are doing more business outside of their home countries than ever before. The geniuses at Rosetta Stone saw this trend beginning to develop years ago and have dedicated decades toward researching and refining the best and most efficient way to teach someone a new language. Rosetta Stone has been one of our most loyal sponsors here at Real Life Real Crime and The Daily Show, and that's because many of you out there have trusted Rosetta Stone to prepare you for everything from a family reunion to a once-in-a-lifetime trip to a business trip in a faraway country. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program in the galaxy. Rosetta Stone's been there for us with a great product at a great price. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert in language learning for 30 years with millions of users. Rosetta Stone's intuitive process helps you pick up a new language naturally so you retain what you learn, and their true accent speech recognition feature is like having a personal trainer. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Real Life Real Crime and The Daily Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Au revoir. He goes downstairs, back down the stairs. I kept calling at him, hollering at him. And he goes to each cell and tries to find a place to put his mattress and guess what? They tell him to go fuck themselves. Same thing. It's kind of building into a crescendo, if you will. Um, and he's carrying his mattress. He's getting back downstairs. And, you know, the they're all on his face. Fuck you, Chomo. Get out of here. You, you know, you can't stay here, et cetera. And <clears throat> boom, Joe. And this is on the first floor. And he can't he can't find anywhere, right? Nobody wants him there. He's he's being he's trying to not be confrontational because he knows that they'll beat his ass. Um, but what he didn't expect was what happened after he gets turned down. Like I said, upstairs, and he goes back downstairs, and they're all on his face, telling him to go fuck himself. Um, what do you do? Well, I think in, at this point he realizes he's fucked and they're about to get him, right? Whether they're going to rape him or do whatever. So he's like, fuck it. I'm going to the door. I'm going to get a deputy and I'm going to tell him I'm going to be placed on admin seg or a restricted cell where I can be protected. Otherwise, you know, I'm, I'm fearing for myself. Um, so he goes, he's headed towards the door, y- y'all, and guess what happens? He gets attacked from behind, right? And it was a vicious attack, okay? The uh, the lights were out, which it's never totally dark, but the lights would have been dimmed. Um, they have like the, you call them security lights on a wall, which throws just enough light where a, a correction officer can look in and see what's going on. But he's going towards the door and uh, he gets attacked. And they say it's, it's badass. Okay. Uh, he gets, he gets attacked from behind. And after the attack is over with and the, the, Detectives are interviewing the inmates that are on the cell block. They called it a shark feeding frenzy, um, meaning that the attack was extremely brutal and very quick. Now, you can imagine if you're in the water, you've seen Jaws and all that, shark comes in and hits you, and they're just going to rip you to pieces, and then they're done. All right? Um, the, but when it happens, it's not going to be silent, right? Certainly he's going to be, Smith is going to be crying out and there's going to be noise. It's a large attack on this guy. Well, there, the deputy that 
that that was in the control unit. Now in the control unit, y'all, if you're walking up to one of these dormitories and you want in your correction officer, you got to say open C1. And the control deputy is in a secure locked-in area where they have access to all the doors um, throughout the jail. And they see it, whether it's on the camera or whatever, like, holy fuck. And it's going down, right? So the control deputy that's in the control room puts out an all call to to all the the supervisors and everything else and ready to, hey, there's an attack, there's an attack. Um, and, I mean, you know, everybody is going to drop what they're doing and run back there. But they said it took minutes, y'all, for uh, the, the deputies to get there, and that would have been the supervisors and anybody else that can respond. Um, and they enter the dorm, and while the melee is going on, as soon as they hit that door, the convicts would have run back to their cells. Nobody wants to get catch another charge. Um, but they enter in and the inmates disperse and Smith is on the floor and he's fucked. All right. Um, the deputies see him, see how severely injured he is. They try to do CPR on him, but guess what? He's dead. Right. Lifeless body is what they said. So what do you do then? You're in, oh, shit, mate, right? So now you call in the medical staff because it's safe. Um, you're, you're trying to give CPR. It appears that Smith is dead. Medical staff comes in, and they try to give CPR. Uh, um, well, once you start working on him, you can't stop, okay? Also, Acadian Ambulance is called. And they meet fire department. First responders are called. Now, remember, I told you Tangipo Parish Jail is in, in the town of Amit. So they would all arrive on scene. They go in there. Um, they try to work on him. But guess what? It's too late, y'all. And Smith was dead as a result of injuries that he sustained from this horrible attack, the remember shark feeding frenzy. Um, so now you got to work out as a crime scene. You got to call in your detectives. You got to call in the coroner. Uh, who the coroner at the time, y'all, was a guy named Rick Foster. And so the coroner comes in, the detectives come in, they're going to work out as a crime scene. Um, they ultimately end up tagging him and bagging him and removing him and the scheduled autopsy for the next day and the autopsy was done um, and they were able to ascertain that Smith died from blunt force trauma to his head that caused bleeding on the brain. So basically they caved in his skull and they beat him to death. Now, who cares about a convicted sex offender getting killed? Well, remember I told you everybody in prison has somebody that loves them. Uh, now it's a it's a bit of a shit show now for Sheriff Daniel Edwards, and you know the news media is going to come in. They're going to hear an inmate got beat to death. You know it's still going to be a good story for the news because nothing sells like sex, blood, and murder. Um, what does Sheriff Edwards do? He says, hey, my people acted correctly. It's not my fault, right? He says, actually, I'm going to quote him. He says, unfortunately, due to the number of individuals involved in the altercation, along with the incident occurring within a secured environment, our victim was limited with an escape, all right? Basically meaning he was fucked. And they couldn't get anywhere to go. By the time they realized the shark feeding frenzy was going on and they responded, he was already dead. And Sheriff Edwards goes on to say, this type of environment provides many limitations when taken to the count, the safety of staff, emergency medical responders, as well as the inmates themselves. All right. What does that mean? The, 
that means they have to respond to this mass beating, if you will, or, or the feeding frenzy. Uh, they got to make entry into it, but you're not going to run in there by yourself. You got to get an, enough deputies to go in. A well, lot's still going on. I'm sure they could look through the window and see Smith getting killed. Um, but they got to make sure they're safe themselves before they make this entry. And they did that. And once they did, they go in, the inmates disperse, and then they start to try to render medical aid. You're certainly not sending in your first responders from the A Meat Fire Department and Acadian Ambulance without making sure the scene is secure. All right. So now, Smith's family, everybody's got somebody that loves them, right? And they came out and they said, there's still so many questions. Um, this is a statement they gave to the media. And they said, did they still not take into account that they put him in the wrong cell due to his charge? Things will never be the same for us. Well, okay. You know what? Prisons are not nice places, y'all. I mean, and certainly not nice for sex offenders. And it's it's the worst place you can go. And, and uh, also, I mean, you maybe. He should have asked. I mean, he's been down before. He should have asked been put on lockdown in a secure cell because he was going to fear about it. But maybe he thought, mm, I'm getting booked in at 11 o'clock at night and nobody's going to know who I am. Well, he was wrong, right? But that May, 11 men and one juvenile were indicted with manslaughter and charged for the brutal attack on Smith's life. They were then charged with an additional charge of second-degree murder and obstruction of justice. Now, y'all, that would have been because the inmate code, when they start to interview them, they're like, "Mm, fuck you, I'm not saying anything. But ultimately, they got somebody to talk, right? So two of the 11 were additionally charged with second-degree robbery for stealing Smith's shoes while he was being attacked. Let's talk about that. The one of the first things you do when you go into prison or into a jail like that, people are going to try you. And the first thing they will want to say, almost always, in the cases I investigated, they're going to be like, "Hey, man, let me get them shoes from you." And you be you, you then you either nut up and fight, or you can be a bitch and give them your shoes, right? Um, they they beat your ass down if you be like, "No, fuck you, I'm not going to do it." Then you call them back out, and if you get the beat down and you don't win the fight, they're taking your shoes. You're going to be fucking barefoot. So, But while they're killing Smith, they stole his fucking shoes, right? So the juvenile, who is currently being held on unrelated homicide charges, was additionally charged with principal second-degree murder. Let's talk about that real quick. Juveniles, I mean, could mean he was 17 and they were trying him in as an adult. He's already down for murder, okay, or, or a charge of murder. And so he jumps in on this one and helps to kill Smith also. And secondary murder, y'all in Louisiana, is defined as killing another person when the offender has the specific intent to kill or inflict great bodily harm on the victim or the killing of another person when the offender is committing or attempting to commit certain other crimes, whether or not there was intent. These other crimes include rape, kidnapping, arson, burglary, assault by driver, shooting, cruelty to juveniles, and terrorism. Um, and the sentence, I mean, you heard me say this a million times, the sentence for secondary murder in Louisiana is mandatory life without parole. And instruction of justice, y'all, is simply involves a criminal proceeding, uh, that has obstruction in it in which a sentence of death or life imprisonment may be imposed. So in the second degree robbery, y'all is the taking of anything of value belonging to another person or another that is in immediate control of another when the offender intentionally afflicts seriously body injury. So that comes from them stealing his shoes, but the inmates that were accused in the attack were Herman, Badgent, 20 years old. Brent Collins, 30 years old. 
Lionel Brister, 22 years old. Randall Holmes, 27 years old. James Milton, 23 years old. Eric Newman, who is 18 years old. William Patterson, who is 22 years old. Taekwon Davis, who is 22 years old. Anton Seymour, 19 years old. Ronald Faulkner, 38 years old. Travis Robertson, 28 years old. And the unnamed juvenile I told y'all about. So, goes on, uh, you know, these guys have all been indicted. And what happens then? It goes to the district attorney's office. Now, the district attorney, uh, I've known him forever, Scott Perilou, um, and this is what he had to say. He says, through an investigative account of this incident, it has been discovered that all protocols relating to a response to such an event were performed expeditiously. Is that, and that's what Scott Perilou uh, said. And he also said that stories of problems at the jail have percolated for some time. Well, you know what? Jail or hell. Jails are not nice places, and they're understaffed, they're undertrained, and then you, you're being locked up with a bunch of other people who are in there for serious shit, and that's what happens, y'all. I mean, that's why Chauvin got stabbed 22 times, all right? Perilou goes on to say, there's a lot of anecdotal evidence that the jail is in a state of chaos, and, well... That's because this shit happens all the time. But I submit to you that every jail is in a state of chaos. And then the article that I'm, I'm reading to you from says, Edwards, who is the brother of Governor John Bell Edwards, has faced problems on a second front before. In 2016, in mid-December, his office was raided by FBI agents investigating corruption in a federal task force that included deputies from Tangipo Sheriff's Office. And two of Edwards' deputies have been charged already in 2016 in connection with that probe. Smith's case isn't the first time an inmate has alleged that staff at the Tangipo Parish Jail were slow to respond to reports of violence. Well, y'all, I don't think they were slow. I I think they did exactly what I would have done. If you got 20-something people in there killing a man, I'm not going to run it. You don't have a pistol. You don't have a firearm. You don't have freeze plus P. I'm not running that bitch by myself. And there are two reasons. One, because you're liable to get killed too, because they hate correction officers also. But I'm waiting on my backup, right? And and then we'll go in and get the control. Um but so it goes back to twenty eighteen in January. Smith's family filed a lawsuit in connection with his death. And the lawsuit claims that prisoners known to be violent were free to move between cells. Though they knew Smith's history increased the potential that he would be targeted for violence. Okay. It's prison. It's jail. Right? And you're in there for not nice charges. You're not in there for doing the right thing. So let's talk about Smith's crime, y'all. So Smith's crimes were actually sexual battery an aggravated rape of a minor, which makes him the ultimate easy target. All right. Aggravated rape, y'all, is um, in Louisiana has changed now. They call it first degree rape, but that means it's either a victim over a certain age or a victim under, it used to be the age 13. So he's already been convicted for sexual battery, is just a, um, sexual touching like on the vagina or penis or whatever skin on skin. But the rape is a penetration. So it means he penetrated a minor, a baby, someone under the age of 13, anally, orally, vaginally, whatever. Um, You know, okay. They knew. I think Smith should ask to be put on lockdown by himself. But the federal lawsuit claims that Smith was brutally beaten to death by a dozen prisoners while authorities in charge of the jail failed to adequately protect him. The Smith family also filed a lawsuit against Sheriff Daniel Everts, 
accusing jail staff of acting with deliberate indifference to the attack that one witness linked to a shark, likened to a shark feeding frenzy. And the lawsuit filed in U.S. District Court in New Orleans claims that Edwards and former warden of the lockup, Stuart Murphy, now y'all, I know, I knew Stuart Murphy forever also. Um, and he wasn't a bad guy. He was just, you know, you can only do what you can do. You can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit, right? The jails are jails. But that says uh, Stuart Murphy condoned and ratified a custom and practice where jail staff is inadequately trained on the importance of protecting inmates from physical violence. Well, I... I don't disagree with that. Most of those guys, like I told you, they're 18. They they put their ass back out back up there. All they need is a body to count heads and most of the time make them behave. But it said it says it states that deputies failed to protect inmate Tommy Joe Smith from an assault that was so brutal a local funeral home told his family an open casket would not be possible. And it states that Smith was assigned to a two-tier dorm containing nearly two dozen inmates, including some charged with violent crimes. Okay, well, that's what happens when you're in jail. Some are in there for doing dope. Some are in there for murder. That's just the way it is. But it says jail staff made no attempt to segregate Smith from the violent general population in the jail, even though they knew Smith's criminal history specifically his convictions for, for a sex offense, significantly increased his risk from violent attacks from other inmates. And the lawsuit alleges that jail staff is not properly trained in procedures designed to identify at-risk inmates during booking process procedures. It also claims that the jail's tiers are not secured properly at night and inmates are permitted to leave their cells during lights-out hours. You know, that's... Um, that's a misnomer. I mean, so the you know they're in there. The lights, the lights out doesn't mean it was dark. They have the security lighting where you can be seen. They're allowed to roam freely in between cells. Oh well, but uh, during the booking process, they ask you specifically on the booking sheet, do you feel like you're at, at risk? Um. You know, do you want to be put on lockdown? And if Smith had said yes, even the worst trained booking officer would have put him in isolation. The, and they, look, y'all, they filed another lawsuit in the Eastern District of Louisiana, which uh, assault unspecified damages, where the grandmother and the mother of Smith's two children were named as the plaintiffs. So, and... You know, I don't know. There's a lot more that I could read to you about it, but I just wanted to talk about Chauvin. He got his issue. He's still alive. He's lucky to still be alive. Mr. Smith, he's dead. Okay, that's the two differences of the extremes, and maybe one more nice stab, and Chauvin would have got killed. Uh, um, but that inmate in there, even though he's on a special security housing unit and he gets stabbed almost to death in the law library, it fucking happens. It's prison. If you hadn't killed George Floyd, your ass wouldn't be in there. You'd still be a cop working the streets. Mr. Smith, you hadn't fucking raped a kid and then been so fucking stupid as to violate your your uh, parole? and get swung and have to go back to prison after you got out, you would think that the last fucking thing you want to do is do anything and put your ass back in prison. It's not a nice place for child molesters. Now, I'm saying child molesters because he was convicted for aggravated rape and sexual battery of a minor. That's a matter of public record. This is fucking America. I can say that, but when I, I'm, I'm, I'm not knocking it. And you know, he got what they call prison justice, and and that's what the convicts call it, not me. Chauvin almost got the ultimate prison justice, missed it by a stab or two. I'm, I would submit that to you. So remember this, people: prisons are not nice places, and no matter what 
may come out of like Ago's mouth on um, about documentaries and that stuff that he watched and stuff that he believes. I'm telling you, Woody Overton, I, you know, there's a difference. Everybody has a different opinion and they have a different life view and a different um, perceptions of how they perceive things. I am not a conspiracy theorist guy. Okay. I believe you get convicted by a jury, your peers, and you get sentenced. That's it. Our legal system is certainly not perfect, but it's the best in the world. And then they have their appeals process and all that. Hey, if it comes to be found out that you're innocent later on by DNA or whatever, or whatever may be, fuck it, get out. I'm all for that. I hope I never sent an innocent person to prison in my entire career. Um, Pretty sure that I didn't. And, you know, I didn't frame anyone or all these, the, these, appeals process they bring up and I'm sure Chauvin was working on his shit in the law library when he got juked 22 times you know prisons are prison people for a reason those 23 inmates or 22 inmates that were on that one tier the night Smith got killed they're there because our law and society deems they need to be there until their case is adjudicated because they're bad motherfuckers. These are not the people that you want sitting down at your Christmas dinner table, right? So just, I mean, whatever side you lean on, you may not believe in prisons at all or whatever. Mm, if you don't, that's your opinion. But take these 22 people off that tier and have them spend a night at your house. I don't think you'd do that. Right. Anyway, that's it. I'm sorry this episode was late, y'all. Again, uh, sick as hell for like nine days. Um, back in the saddle. Love and appreciate each and every one of y'all. Y'all go listen to Bloody Angola, uh, mine and Jim Chapman's podcast. It's different than real life, real crime. But it's fire, right? But, uh, it's so many different stories from the worst of the worst to uplifting stories, and everything ties back into the largest prison in the, in the United States, Bloody Angola, uh, which coincidentally we won, we were nominated for for the first time because it was only a year old and we won best history podcast in the world and the People's Choice Awards this year. So y'all check it out. The Real Life Real Crime Daily Show. Keep listening. It's it's fire. Thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate that. Swim, someone who is at me podcast. Oh, y'all, I hate the business side of things, but now I was supposed to launch it this week, and now i got to wait just a little bit longer while the shit gets figured out by the powers that be. Um, but it's, it's coming at some point, all right? And... Lopa, oh, you know, go follow us on, on the Real Life Real Crime community app. Remember, I go there first every day to answer people before I go to all the other social media. Uh, check out our TikTok, Real Life Real Crime, Instagram, um, all our Facebook pages. The crew page has over 42,000 members. It's a private group. It has over 42,000 members in it just by itself. If you have stories to submit to me, oh, Leah Marie, you rock, sister. Thank you so much. I needed that. I did not know about that murder, but I do have intimate knowledge of those people in that jail. I want to thank you so much for sending me that. Um, Patreon of Convicts, I promise you got an episode coming, and it's going to be called Accidental Question Mark. And Louisiana Oregon Procurement Agency, Y'all know they're my jam. They save lives every single day. Become an organ donor. If you want to be an organ donor, you don't have to be from the state of Louisiana. You can be from Fort Smith, Arkansas. Go to lopa.org and fill out the little questionnaire. It takes like two minutes and be a hero. All right. 
People are dying every day waiting on organs, y'all. And LOPA is a nonprofit. That's why we support them. And they, they work with these families forever. Uh, um, they're, just, they're just the best people in the world. And I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crown, the podcast. And until next time or ever, don't let me catch you down on Murder Bayou. Peace. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will appoint one for you. Do you understand your rights? And the wolf is at your door. You run.